Greetings fellow captains and welcome back to Rank Amateur. Today on Rank Amateur, well, it's a Christmas edition of uh, Rank Amateur, but today we have the Tier 7 Premium American Battleship Florida. And uh, the Florida is an interesting ship, and you might be thinking, well, why did you buy the Florida? This wasn't on the horizon. Well, I didn't exactly buy the Florida. Uh, you see, in... Um, in the Christmas event, the New Year event that's going on in World of Warships right now, you can get New Year certificates for playing your Tier 10 ships. And this allows you to um, exchange, they, they allow you to exchange them for uh, Santa containers. And you could, it's, uh, what is it, one, for a one New Year certificate for a small Santa gift container, uh, three for a big, and five for a mega. So I have six Tier 10s in my port currently. Um, so I bought, uh, a Santa gift container and a Mega Santa gift container, and the Santa gift container gave me half a million credits, so whatever, but the Mega Santa gift container gave me the Florida, and I also got the Anshan off the, an another one that I got just with the daily logins, so yeah, it was, it was pretty good, and I, I mean, the Florida, I, I saw the Florida as kind of a weak ship, more or less, like, it, it was, it was somewhat good, but, um, I didn't see it as super special in any way, um, but I was wrong. I had completely uh, misevaluated the ship, and I actually really like it right now, and I'll tell you why later. But first, let's get into the news in World of Warships. There hasn't been a whole lot going on in uh, World of Warships, uh, actually. Um, well, okay, I shouldn't say that. There, there has been a lot of going uh, things going on in World of Warships, but not many things that I haven't already gone over uh, in previous episodes. Uh, there's just they're more implementing the various events and stuff that have happened that I announced in uh, uh, the previous episode, like the Carol Clash and stuff. Just all these rewards that are coming out, you know, seasons, uh, seasonal awards. There's a new Prime gaming, uh, like. Was it Santa's gift super drop, and you get yourself six containers? Uh, yeah, just by logging into your Prime account, which is pretty neat. Um, and obviously, I mean, they're pushing these Santa's gift containers like crazy. I think they're uh, personally a great small Christmas gift for uh, your friends who play World of Warships because, um, I mean, there's it's you don't have to worry about getting them something specific. It's a, just a random drop, and it's usually always something pretty pretty decent. I mean, obviously rewards vary, but I've, I mean, me and my friends, I think between us, I think we've probably bought like 100 gift containers. Uh, one of my friends did shell out the money for 70, or 70 bucks for the 20 mega gift containers. I think he got four ships. He got, uh, yeah, so... 
between us, I think we've gotten just shy of 10 ships from it, which is which I feel is pretty good. And they've also added dockyard ships into these containers too, which is pretty cool. You can get the uh, the anchorage and stuff. The I don't think, no, you can't get the um, recent dockyard ships. No Puerto Rico or DZP or anything like that, but you can get, uh, get a lot of rare ships from that, so that's cool. I mean, I don't know, I don't really see anything wrong with it. And then obviously they're... Uh, offering their 360 days of premium account, 50% uh, off, so it's only 12,000 doubloons. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's a good deal if you're really going for premium, but premium is very, very expensive. And, uh, I mean, I don't personally use it. Um, I mean, over Christmas break, I might buy just a week of it when I'm playing with my friends, but other than that, I don't, I don't use it, but I definitely see why people would use it. Uh, obviously, there's Battle of North Cape mission giveaway. Um, yeah, so just you can get the uh, Arctic uh, camouflage for your uh, Dooku York, and they've also they also have a giveaway for um, the Sharon Horse and the Duke, Duke York ships, with, both with their um, Arctic camouflage, which is pretty neat. Um, I don't know if it's Okay, yeah, it is kind of realistic in that these things are coated in ice. I don't know if it's 100% realistic, but, I mean, it, it looks believable, so that's cool. Um, and that is, I mean, that's pretty much it for uh, news. Uh, I just would like to say that the new U.S. Navy battleships, as they stand, the ones with the uh, ability to launch their own aircraft, are blatantly overpowered, and I really hope they nerf them before they uh, enter the game because Louisiana has better accuracy, I believe better accuracy than Montana, and uh, can also launch aircraft to spot for itself. So, yeah. I, I remember I was trying to fight a Louisiana when I was in my Des Moines, and I literally was taking 20k salvo, and I was I was dodging profusely. I was getting hit by maybe like one or two shells every salvo, but it was just, it was incredibly difficult to fight it and i was at like 20 kilometers range from this thing i was being spotted by its aircraft and then just being hammered by it and then it has pretty crazy levels of armor i mean it is kind of he fodder when it comes to engaging at close range but it is absolutely devastating at long range and um yeah it's just it is pretty crazy um don't believe it has as many guns as montana i think it has two less if i remember correctly but it's pretty insane. Um, I believe it has better all-around shells and everything like that. I don't know if it has more hit points, but it is very difficult to deal with when played well. I mean, we are having uh, super testers who are playing these, so the chances are they're probably pretty good at World of Warships. But, I mean, if a super tester can do that in a brand new ship, I can't imagine what will happen when those things are actually being played by a lot of people on the server. So I really... I hope that they get nerfed a little bit. I feel like the accuracy or the reload or something like that needs to be nerfed because if it can just delete a Des Moines um, without actually citadeling it, uh, it's kind of crazy. And uh, yeah, it deleted Des Moines at 20 kilometers on the regular, not just like, you know, your one in a million shots that every battleship has every once in a while. So that's my two cents. I don't really like those are being in that those are being introduced. Uh, they're taking that uh, hybrid ship idea and kind of running with it which i mean the north carolina originally was there were plans to convert uh, to have it as a hybrid battleship but not to the extent that wargaming is instituting it and speaking of north carolinas let's get into the florida and you might be thinking well what does the florida have to do with the north carolina and the answer is everything um 
yeah, so I don't know why they chose the name it Florida, um, but I mean, it, it makes sense because sort of because um, uh, you know U.S. battleships were named after states and stuff, but uh, Florida was actually a commissioned battleship in the U.S. Navy at the time that this battleship was slated. Okay, maybe not at the time, but close to the time that this battleship was slated to be uh, built. Um, yeah, so the USS Florida was a actually a dreadnought battleship, and um, so the, the, this Florida is actually the preliminary design for the USS um, USS North Carolina. So uh, obviously, the North Carolina went through several design phases, as any ship does, but it, a lot more phases than most ships do. And the reason for that is because is of the Washington Naval Treaty. And the Washington Naval Treaty was an arms limitation treaty that happened after World War I. Uh, I believe it was in the 1920s. And there was a second one in the 1930s. Uh, and this is just to try and prevent a naval arms race similar to that that happened be between Imperial Germany and Britain uh, before World War I. Uh, it was not effective at all. All it gave was the Allies a significant disadvantage in naval and uh, actually large capital ship weaponry at the beginning of the war, uh, because uh, it turns out that the Axis don't really listen to treaties and just kind of ignore them, uh, specifically Japan. Um, uh, but it uh, it wasn't yeah it wasn't super effective. But the United States still tried to do their best working around it within the limits of the treaty. And in the second treaty, there was a, uh, a clause of it called the Escalator Clause that essentially stated if Italy or Japan refused to sign the, sign the treaty, then uh, the 14-inch gun cap, so yes, the uh, Washington Naval Treaty limited guns on new battleships to 14 inches in caliber or smaller, uh, could be raised to 16 inches. And the 16-inch was kind of gun was kind of like a new thing uh, in the uh, in uh, naval design and engineering, uh, and it obviously had much better penetration characteristics, longer range, uh, was generally more accurate. Although I mean, it depends on the gunfire control systems, uh, easier to control, and it was just overall far more effective than the 14-inch gun. So that's why they limited it to the 14-inch gun. But knowing that Japan was going to build battleships with a 16-inch gun if they if uh, they were kept unchecked, there that escalator clause was uh, instituted into the Washington Naval Treaty. And uh, there's also a 35,000-ton cap on battleship displacement, which in World War One would have been absolutely massive. But we're coming in on World War Two, and there's a new revolution in technology that's happening. So uh, 35,000 tons was definitely a very much a binding. Uh, and uh, very uh, difficult to deal with uh, limits. So there were, I believe, like two or three dozen different design proposals, if not more, for the North Carolina class. Like, if Wargaming wants to go and institute all these, they literally have several lines of ships just based off the North Carolina alone. It's actually kind of absurd how many designs that the uh, Design Bureau at the United States uh, Navy uh, came up with, and, um, there were four that were kind of entertained the most, um, one would look more like HMS Nelson, it had nine 16 inch, or nine 14 inch guns in the front, and a, ca a few catapults in the back, uh, or in the, in aft, and, uh, it would, 
was deemed fairly effective, except it was kind of big, uh, and it didn't really fit the treaty really well without having to modify armor arrangements and sa or sacrifice armor for guns or guns for armor. And it, w it wasn't really satisfactory as far as protection against 16-inch guns, because we knew that we were going to use 14-inch guns, but a lot of our enemies could use 16-inch guns, and it would be good if our ships were protected against that. Uh, design Proposal B was, um, or is it Design Proposal F? That was, um, Design A was the previous one. Now that we move on to F, which is one of the selected ones, uh, this was that hybrid carrier one I was talking about. So it had three catapults. Yes, catapults, not like runways, <laughs> like or not a flight deck like there is on uh, the Kearsarge. Um, and it three catapults in the uh, four, and after was uh, eight 14-inch guns. So it was a very strange-looking battleship, and um, it was deemed that although the ship itself would be effective, it was sacrificing armament unnecessarily to uh, allow for the launch of aircraft that were marginally effective, because remember, these aircraft were going to have large floats on them because they were going to have to land in the water and be hoisted back uh, on top of the catapults, or on top of the flight deck. So it wasn't deemed as super effective because we're launching marginally effective aircraft, sacrificing a ton of weight uh, in armor and gun and weaponry for these three catapults and the fire uh, aircraft uh, for no particular reason. So that design proposal didn't go very far. Uh, so some old people in the some old-fashioned people in the design bureau came up with essentially another slow battleship. A traditional battleship would have a top speed of 22 knots, which is only one knot faster than uh, battleships before it, and this would be armed with 12 14-inch guns. Uh, it was um, going. I mean, it would be an effective warship, especially in like the World War One area mindset and the line of battle with uh, previous uh, American dreadnoughts. But it wasn't seen as being super adequate in the modern. Uh, uh, predicted war, uh, naval warfare environment. So that proposal didn't really go super far. One of the final proposals that was made was design proposal uh, XVIC. So obviously, if you don't know Roman numerals, that's 16C. Um, and this was rejected initially because of uh, poor armor. Uh, armor. Uh, but essentially, it was what Florida is in World of Warships, or a little bit less uh, armor. So it had basically no armor. It was more of a battlecruiser. And the U.S. Navy, by the way, really, really didn't like battlecruisers. They did not like the idea. And I bet they were kind of scared by Jutland, what happened to the British uh, battlecruisers there, and reasonably so. But essentially, it had 12 14-inch guns and three quadruple turrets, and secondary armament, and it was capable of, I think, 30... 30 to 33 knots predicted. So this would be a very fast warship. However, it was almost wholly unarmored. It did have an armor belt that was proof of, that was resistant to 14-inch shells, I think out to 20,000 yards, um, or a little bit closer than that. So it was definitely meant to be a longer-range warship. Uh, but the problem is, is the bow was mostly unarmored, and the way that the armor plates were set right in front of the first uh, turret, so a turret, 14-inch uh, shells, 16-inch shells could punch straight through the bow and that armored uh, belt straight into the magazines. Uh, believe it or not, when the ship was traveling at high speed, the Bureau predicted that um, when the ship was generating enough wake, you know, you have, you have, if you've ever seen the wake of a ship uh, when it's going fast, it goes up around the crest, makes sort of a crest shape at the very front of the bow and then goes down really far uh, later after that. And when it went down really far like that, there was a armor plate that was exposed that normally would have been covered by water. Water does an excellent job 
of uh, stopping armor-piercing shells from uh, getting to a ship. So when that uh, when the shell had a clear shot straight into that armor plate, it would pen it straight into the magazines and likely cause a magazine detonation. So the design beer was very against that proposal, and it actually didn't even make it to some of the Navy bigwigs who would actually make the decision. The design proposal was rejected and killed straight there. Uh, because of that reason and the fact that um, the belt plating was adequate but nothing more and it would likely be penetrated by a 16 inch shell should it hit so that design didn't make it very far however um they did some shifting around of armor plating and realized that they didn't have to count the ship's uh, magazine weight, so like the weight of the shells and the uh, propellants and stuff like that, in the ship's weight calculations. So those 100 shells per gun and extra 100 shells for all the guns in case of emergencies didn't actually count towards the total weight of the ship, which was interesting because that was a lot of weight saved if they could just not include that in their weight calculations. And I think the reason for that was is because that was when the ship was loaded versus it just sitting there. It wouldn't have that weight there and wouldn't weigh less than 35,000 tons. So um, with that removed from the calculation, they were actually able to put more armor plating around the ship, armor the bow some more, armor the stern some more, and put some extra plating on the belt. So they were sufficiently armored against 14-inch shells at almost all ranges and 16-inch shells at medium to long range. Uh, enough that they felt it was safe to use in combat and would uh, be actually a very tough battleship to sink uh, by that day's standards. So that design was, believe it or not, authorized. And even though uh, the U.S. Navy wanted 16-inch guns on their battleships uh, because of the fact that Japan was likely going to put 16-inch guns on the battleships, uh, President Franklin D. Roosevelt was not... Uh, was very reluctant to allow the escalator clause of the Second London Naval Treaty to be enforced. Or, and I, I say Second London, I've been referring to it as the Washington Naval Treaty the whole time. It was actually the London Naval Treaty, but still, um, it's basically means the same thing, different city. Um, yeah, so it, he was reluctant to allow that to be enforced because he didn't want the United States to be seen as the person who escalates a conflict or the, the entity that escalates the conflict. He essentially was kind of waiting for someone else to uh, do the dirty work for him. Uh, Japan would do that for them, believe it or not, because Japan, on the 27th of March, 1937, just three days, or four days before the deadline to sign the treaty, Japan rejected the terms of the treaty which officially allowed the escalator clause to be invoked if the uh, nations on the other side of the agreement decided to. Still, Roosevelt was against this. Uh, Ambassador to Japan, Joseph Grew, uh, sent a telegram, uh, or was sent a telegram by the U.S. Uh, Secretary of State Cordell Hull uh, to... Uh, essentially ask Japan if they would be willing to accept the cap of 14-inch guns um, if the United States would as well. So, like, you accept 14-inch guns, I'll accept 14-inch guns, basically. And Japan said, we'll do that only if you limit your battleship construction to the amount that we are able to construct. So essentially, they for every battleship that Japan would build, the United States would be able to build that. And, and they would set a, a, a predetermined cap, so each navy would be, theoretically, the same size in battleships. Uh, the United States was not able to, was not going to agree to this. So Japan's like, well, okay, we're not agreeing that. Anyways, and uh, reluctantly... 
President Roosevelt allowed 16-inch guns to be put on the North Carolina class, which had been laid down for more than a month and a half at this point, uh, in June of 1937. And uh, in July, uh, President Roosevelt allowed the 12 14-inch gun arrangement to be upgraded to a 9 16-inch gun arrangement. So, yes... The Florida was actually laid down, or, well, the Florida was laid down, it was just called the North Carolina. Um, but it would have appeared almost exactly as it was in World of Warships. Actually, there's an official design bureau sketch of the of the Florida, like, as it is in World of Warships. Uh, and it's straight in the United States Navy records. Uh, and you might be wondering, well, the Florida has only one funnel in a different superstructure than the North Carolina does. And that's largely down to just uh, modern, different design tweaks that were uh, implemented along the uh, construction of the ship as uh, things came to light that maybe something was more difficult to build. Uh, it was found that using um, two funnels was easier because then there was less ductwork and things like that that had to be done for the two boiler rooms. Because essentially with one funnel, you have to take two boiler rooms and smash them together in piping and then pipe it out at the top with, in one funnel. Uh, it was determined that it was easier just to use two funnels so that way there was less piping. That's more or less pretty much the only thing that's different about the Florida compared to the North Carolina. And obviously there's boat arrangements that are a little bit different, but that's the only major thing. So um, the, the only thing that Wargaming gets kind of incorrect here is that the main battery guns themselves would be arranged in a, like a single four turret, uh, quadruple turret. Uh, and I say that because if you look in World of Warships, the North Carolina has two groups of guns in either turret, and there's a large partition in between them. That's more of a French way of putting it. The British and Americans, uh, well, the British were actually built this. The Americans never did. Um, but they just did a straight 14-inch gun, so each their spacing between each 14-inch gun was even, uh, and it was, I don't know, maybe easier to aim or something like that. I'm not sure necessarily why that difference was uh, as far as the Americans are concerned, but the French did it for a very good reason, and that was because there was a large armor plate separating the turrets. So essentially you had two turrets and one turret, and so if, a, let's say, a bomb was dropped on one side of the turret and it penetrated and uh, exploded and killed everyone inside that section of the turret, well, the other side of the turret would not be impacted by that. So the other side of the turret could still continue to fire as normal uh, because there was a really large armor plate separating them. Uh, I mean, of course, they'd probably be deaf from the noise, but they'd still be alive. Uh, this was not the case in the uh, British and American way of doing it. It was just a straight 14-inch gun or 14-inch gun quadruple turret. And uh, quadruple turrets, interestingly enough, were notoriously inaccurate because the muzzle blast of each gun would push the other one's shell away ever so slightly, like, we're talking, like, maybe centimeters at most, at most, maybe, probably just a few millimeters, but over 28,000 yards, or, like, 14 kilometers it, it, at the uh, minimum distance of armor protection that the North Carolina would be facing, or the Florida if it was built, um, that was a lot, even just, like, point, like, a tenth of a degree or less could impact by s several hundred meters, uh, at range, so they were difficult to aim, at least on the French side. Now, I don't know necessarily if the British guns were the same, uh, because they were a little bit lower velocity, 
but that's the way the French guns were, and it was a little. That was largely the, one of the reasons why the Jean Bart was so ineffective when it was trying to uh, repel Operation Torch in 1942, uh, because it simply couldn't hit its targets reliably, and that is kind of reflected in World of Warships and the Richelieu class being kind of inaccurate, and and same with the Dunkirk, but uh, not to the degree that it was in real life. So yes, North Carolina built with 16-inch guns with a modified superstructure, and uh, if you look at the original design, there's really not many AA guns there actually on the original design. Uh, those were added later, and in well, World of Warships, the Florida is depicted in sort of a late war configuration uh, with its 1942-style radar, uh, air source radar on the mast, which would not have been installed as built. Um, and there's obviously Orlikans and 20mm uh, Orlikans and 40mm Bofors all over the uh, ship as, you know, would be put on the ship during a modernization of World War II, which curiously kind of clashes with the fact that there is a pre-war era spotter plane sitting on the catapult of the Florida, which, I mean, I feel like that's a bit of an overlooked uh, uh, detail because the Wargaming has the uh, O2U uh, Kingfisher uh, spotter aircraft, they ha they have it modeled in game. It's on a bunch of U.S. Navy ships, and I think even some Soviet ships, because the Soviets, you know, lend lease and stuff like that. But they just chose not to put it on for some reason. I, I don't know why they would do that, but that's uh, yeah. So that's the history on the Florida view. There is actually a bit of history, even though it was never built, just because of the wacky design that the North Carolina uh, wacky design process that the North Carolina underwent. Uh, so yeah, let's get on to the World of Warships section of this episode. So Florida and World of Warships is, I feel, a very reliable and consistent battleship in World of Warships. It doesn't really have a gimmick. And some people, I mean, early <laughs> uh, young me would say that that's not good, that, that um, I would, there's no reason to get that premium ship if there really is no gimmick in it. I mean, I guess someone might say that the uh, gun configuration of the Florida is kind of its gimmick, and there is some certain validity to that, but it doesn't rely on a consumable. Look at the Vimer, for example, another Tier 7 ship, except it's a cruiser. Uh, it relies on its special spotter plane that gives it 30% uh, uh, range buff because its range is so terrible. It's balanced around that, so when you ha don't have your spotter plane, you only have a 14-kilometer range, which is barely usable at Tier 7, and that's kind of Wargaming's sort of lazy way to balancing, I guess. Uh, the fact that it relies on consumables being, certain consumables being active in order uh, to keep the ship balanced, and it allows uh, a ship to be strong and resist power creep without being overpowered. So I kind of get why they do something like that, but it is nice to see that a ship comes around like uh, the Florida or like the Flandre or something like that that has it's just a consistent reliable battleship that is unlikely to get power crept because it just is so consistent it's kind of basic in a way but it works so well uh, th these two ships are actually pretty popular because of that um, although I haven't seen as many Flandres in Florida's recently as obviously when they came out maybe a year afterwards but um, they're still pretty good uh, and pretty popular so, the uh, main battery is, uh, on paper, it looks pretty terrible, but in-game, in uh, in experience, uh, or I suppose the correct word would be in practice, they're pretty good, actually. So, it's got a three by quad, or three quadruple turrets of 356mm guns. They're 50 caliber. They're Mark 11. Uh, that 50 caliber, by the way, is very important because a lot of U.S. Navy guns are 45 caliber, which means they don't have 
they aren't as accurate and they don't have as high velocity and penetration uh, factors. So that 50 calibers makes the gun a lot better. Uh, the North Carolina suffers from having a 45 caliber gun a lot because it, it just doesn't have the penetration that like the Iowa per se has, which has a 50 caliber gun. Um, it's a Mark 11 gun and uh, it has an 18.62 kilometer range base, uh, which is usable. Uh, it is a little bit on the short side, especially for Tier 7. We do like to see that normally around 20 kilometers. And this ship actually went under a lot of nerfing in testing. I don't, th I don't think they actually buffed any aspect of it. Uh, it was mostly just nerfed. Um, the reload time originally in testing was 30 seconds. It is now 33.5 seconds. Uh, it is long. It is long. There's, there's no way around that. It is a long reload. Uh, the 180 degree turn time is 45 seconds, which is pretty good. Uh, it's not like an abysmal 60 seconds. The Sigma, however, is a bit disappointing. It is 1.7, which is a 0.3 behind most U.S. Navy battleships, which have a 2.0 to 2.1 Sigma. Uh, the maximum dispersion, however, the dispersion is very good. At 18.62 kilometers, it has a 205 meter dispersion, which is not much. Um, it's actually less dispersion than the Yukon has. The Yukon has 200 meters dispersion at 15 kilometers. So it is more accurate than Yukon, and Yukon is widely advertised to be an accurate battleship. Florida is far more accurate. Uh, the maximum dispersion vertical is 123 meters. The raw DPM of the 356mm HEHC Mark 22 shell, their mod ones, is 102,090, which is a little low. Uh, it used to be great, so it used to have 5,000 damage shells. It only has 4,000 damage shells right now, so it is basically like a Goliath, more or less. I mean, that's the it's a pretty accurate comparison. Uh, the shell velocity is 861 meters a second. The shell weight is a hefty 578 kilograms. Uh, depth explosion is a nice 4 meters. Uh, HE penetration is 59 millimeters. It is literally, yeah, it is literally Goliath shells, basically. This is what you're shooting. I mean, the 14-inch Goliath shells. Uh, the burn probability is 22%, which I believe is basically identical to Goliath. Um, you'll get around 1.7 fires per minute with that. Uh, so, yes, HE is reliable. You can expect about as much damage as Goliath gets out of its shells when you're shooting at something. It may be a little bit more just because the armor is a little worse at tier 7. Uh, raw DPM for the HE sh uh, for the AP shell, 356mm AP Mark 16 Mod 1 shell, is uh, 204,179, which is decent. However, the individual shells only do 9,500 damage. Uh, I believe that is a bit low, but not super abysmally low. Usually it's around 10,000 damage at this tier, uh, if not more than that. There are some that are less than that. I mean, I believe Scharnhorst only has 8,000 something uh, in its shells. But yeah, it is a little bit uh, low, and it does leave a little bit to be desired, especially when you have a target that's broadside to you. Uh, the shell weight is 555 kilograms, which is actually less than the HE shell. It has standard ricochet angles of 45 to 60 degrees. The depth explosion is a standard 2, me uh, two meters. You'll overmatch 24 millimeter plating, uh, which is, I still, I think, a lot of cruisers that you'll face. Uh, you are tier 7, so you will face tier 5 cruisers, and you completely overmatch everything on their plating. Uh, which is not unusual for a battleship. The arming threshold, however, is 59 millimeters, so you will get a decent amount of overpenetrations, uh, especially on cruisers if you do not catch their citadel. Uh, the aiming sector, a reverse or reverse, uh, looking backwards for the four turrets aiming uh, backwards in a kiting position is very good. I mean, you can barely expose any broadside and get those guns firing. However, 
aiming forward the hurt and aiming circles are abysmal i mean you have to give complete broadside before that third turret can fire so the rule of thumb is if your third turret is even close to firing you are giving way too much broadside to whatever you're shooting at and you can expect to be citadeled um speaking of uh <laughs> speaking of being citadeled uh armor is uh, you have to be angled you have to be angled uh, this ship does not take broadsides well. The Citadel is way above the waterline, and it's a weird-looking Citadel, because it looks like a normal U.S. Navy battleship Citadel, where it's kind of low and it's thin, uh, and then there's, like, this weird plate that sits on top of it. Like, I, I bet it's, to, it's some sort of balancing factor, but it's just a deck that is apparently the Citadel, and it sits straight above the waterline, and there's only, like, 200 meters, uh, 200 millimeters of steel covering it. So, I mean, anything will pen it. I think even uh, even some cruisers from close range will penetrate that. So, it's definitely something to be careful of. I think Riga from, like, 12 kilometers, Dmitry Donskoy from, like, 15 kilometers can pen that. I think even Molotov. Yeah, Molotov, because it has Dmitry Donskoy guns, can penetrate that from, like, 15 kilometers away. So, you do have to be careful unless you want to get chunked by a Molotov from 15 kilometers away. Uh, it is yes. You do not go broadside under any circumstances with this thing. With this thing, unless you are undetected or are sure you are not going to be shot at. Uh, the secondary armament is uh, negligible. You got your standard uh, 127 millimeter guns. However, it is kind of strange in that it does have some Fletcher guns on it, which is kind of weird. The single turrets, uh, rather than uh, as opposed to uh, the traditional. Uh, dual 127mm mounts. It does have a few of those, but it has a, four of those Fletcher mounts, which is just kind of strange. It, 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 the ship kind of reminds me a lot of the Wichita, like a, like a battleship version of the Wichita. It's just kind of strange in every way it functions. The AA defense is... Um, it's... It's usable, 157 DPS, 269 DPS. Actually, I mean, it, it is pretty good. It's like half of DZP's AA, for whatever reason. Uh, it is... I mean... It, in close range, you'll have around 500 DPS, uh, but that's that's two kilometers away. I mean, most most uh, aircraft carriers have already dropped their payloads by then. Now you are equipped with the defensive AA fire consumable, and you don't have to give anything up for that. That's just it's got its own slot. You can't change it, so it will be effective with the defensive anti-aircraft consumable up uh, against tier six carriers for sure, and some tier eight carriers. Uh, good luck trying to shoot down Russian planes, but. Uh, I have mostly stop strikes. I'm not going to say it's just going to stop strikes, but it does it, it does make carriers think twice about attacking you. Uh, it, it's not spectacular, though. It's not going to stop strikes, but it is usable. It's not Japan levels of bad. Uh, the survivability is kind of Japan levels of bad, though. This is for sure a battle cruiser. It does not have the hit points to sustain itself. It has 51,000 hit points at tier 7. Yes, that is like tier 6 levels of hit points, or sometimes even tier 5 levels of hit points. It is not great. Uh, your fires and flooding, you're still going to be burning for 50 sec 60 seconds, you're still going to be flooding for 40. So you're going to literally lose a fifth of your health on a flood, 10,360 damage, and almost a fifth of your uh, health on a uh, fire, which is 9,000 health. So taking survivability skills on this ship is mandatory. Um... 
So uh, as far as d damage reduction for torpedoes, it is a quite respectable 30%. Uh, so, I mean, especially if you take uh, Vigilance, you'll add an extra 7% on that, and you'll get 37% torpedo damage reduction. Uh, so that is quite respectable, although I don't really recommend taking Vigilance. It certainly is an option that would work well on the ship. However, the concealment is where this ship truly shines. The concealment is 13.44 kilometers base. Yes, that means you'll be able to get like almost sub 12 kilometers with the uh, concealment expert skill. Yet yeah, now you can't mount, uh, mount the uh, concealment module. I feel like that would have been a neat feature to have an extra consumable slot on this ship, like sort of like the Arkansas Beta, uh, where you could mount one of the, uh, that module and then get literally like 11 kilometer concealment. That would be pretty nutty. That is one of the amazing po uh, parts of this ship is that you are not lit up at all. Like you, once you fire before your guns reload, you are going dark, and that's extremely annoying to deal with for uh, enemies constantly going dark. Uh, it's almost like a sort of like a Japanese cruiser type uh, place to hell where you just you keep firing until someone decides to shoot at you and you just go dark and reappear halfway across the map. It, it you're extremely annoying to deal with if you play that way, and that's, that's certainly something you can exploit. Uh, the speed is it's decent. Uh, it is not North Carolina levels of fast. It does only 27 knots, but it is certainly much faster than both the other. Um, uh, the other two uh, U.S. Navy battleships at the tier, uh, the California and the Colorado, uh, it does, because those only do 21. So it is it is pretty fast, but you're not going to really be outrunning many cruis any cruisers or destroyers or anything like that, like maybe um, the fast battleships would, like the uh, Iowa and Georgia at tier 9 or something like that. But, uh, yeah, in consumable choice, you got your damage, damage, uh, damage, standard damage control, 20-second action time. Actually, I shouldn't say standard. That's not standard. That is U.S. Navy damage control. You got 20-second action time, 80-second reload. Um, and then your heal has 28-second 28 28 action time, 80-second reload. Uh, that is, I believe, the U.S. Navy special one where it reloads faster. Because I think the standard reload is like 110. 110. Uh, but, uh yeah, so you're going to do not uh, 0.5% HP per second. So, I mean, it, it's decent, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's your good... It's a, fit, a fast reloading heal, but uh, it doesn't do a whole lot per heal. Uh, standard defensive AA fire, and then a standard spotter after that. Um, so what kind of build are we looking at on this? Well, uh, first, for upgrades, we're going to go with our main armaments modification 1. Uh, then for this second one, our second... Uh, slot, you could go damage control system modification one. Um, I I go either way. I do like my engine not getting incapacitated because I don't want to have to burn a damage control on fixing my engine. So, I mean, I'll, for the purposes of this review, I'll just put that on, but you could go either way. Um, as far as artillery plotting room modification one uh, in the third slot, I mean, you can do it. it It'll give you a 20 kilometer range. I don't see that as super necessary on this ship, just because it has good concealment. Uh, and uh, you can certainly abuse that short main battery firing range as, uh, for concealment purposes. And the fact that once you kill someone who's in that range and everyone else that's outside of that range, they won't spot you. That is, that is it's sometimes a blessing in disguise having a short firing range, like the Des Moines or the Goliath and things like that. Uh, if you're taking heat, you just kill whatever's in your firing range because it's pretty short, and then you're good to go. So I use main battery modification too, uh, just get those turrets around a little faster, uh, and that that'll allow you to get them around in 39 seconds. 
As far as the fourth upgrade slot, it is mandatory taking damage control systems modification two. There is no way you can justify taking steering gears over damage control systems. It, it, sim having that 60 second duration of fire on this ship is terrible. It is absolutely horrific, and getting any buff on that uh, fire duration is 100% necessary. You need it. You absolutely need it. Uh, the same way you absolutely need fire flags and flooding, flooding flags on the ship. I mean, you could, there, you can use them. I mean, they're almost mandatory on all battleships, but on the Florida, they're absolutely mandatory. You cannot survive without these flags. Because with the flags and the module, you'll get it down to a 40-second fire and a 27-second flood. And, oh, all of a sudden, you're only taking 6,000 damage on a fire or 7,000 damage on a flood. That's 3,000 damage less. That's an armor-piercing penetration right there. Which can mean the difference between winning a duel and not winning a duel. Um, as far as skills are concerned, however, uh, you can really go either way on this. Um, there's a lot of good skills in the first tier, uh, or the one-point tier. Uh, preventative maintenance makes sense. Uh, emergency repair makes sense. A gun feeder makes sense because you you will. This is a 14-inch gun armed battleship at tier seven, so firing a lot of high explosive is not uncommon in this ship. Spamming high explosive is definitely a way to go in this ship, so you can do uh, use gun feeder. Um, I find emergency repair uh, specialist useful. Uh, I go with priority target in the second slot. You could go with uh, grease the gears. That is definitely a thing that is valid. Um, then after that, I'm going to go with adrenaline rush, and then after that, I'm going to go with a uh, concealment expert and emergency repair expert in the fourth slot. I do believe I have a 17 point commander on this. I also use basics of survivability. Uh, that is my Montana commander that I have. Um, so yeah, that, that is the current build that I have in my Florida Emergency Repair Specialist, Priority Target, Adrenaline and Rush, Basics of Survivability, Emergency Repair Expert, and Concealment Expert. And that does a lot for this ship. Now all of a sudden you only have a 34 second fire. That's doing 5,000 damage. That's like a big armor piercing penetration right there. That's, that's not much. Um, flooding is 23.1 seconds, and that also only does 5,988 damage. So you've taken you've half the damage that you're getting from a flood simply by taking skills and modules, and I highly, highly recommend using that. Playing in a Florida without using fire flags and uh, modules and uh, commander skills is not fun. Uh, yeah, and then the concealment does go down to 12.1 kilometers, which is pretty cool. Um... Uh, I suppose we should probably go uh, finish up these uh, skills for a 21-point commander. You could go with close quarters combat, um, going with uh, the survive, improve repair party uh, readiness um, is, um, I mean, it's usable. You can definitely do that. It gets you down to the 30.8 second reload on your repair party, which is uh, pretty nice. Uh, although... Um, uh, one skill that I really wouldn't recommend running in the third uh, point tier is super heavy AP shells because that just uh, turns you straight back into a uh, burning ball of fire, uh, and it's really not good for the ship. Uh, you could go with grease the gears to get that uh, turret traverse time down further, and then maybe go with like gun feeder or preventative maintenance on top of that. Uh, or get the Vigilance skill for full 21-point commander. Uh, those last skills are kind of up to you. Um, and definitely Fire Prevention Expert is also a, a valid skill to go to, uh, on because it's got that 10% decrease in fire chance, uh, which means that your 
uh, risk of catching fire uh, reduction is 37.0% uh, uh, versus the uh, 27 or 30% that it normally has. Uh, and obviously you have that one less fire that you can have. Although I rarely do I ever have four fires burning on me. Usually I save my damage control to the point where I can just extinguish uh, like three fires and then uh, obviously maybe another fire I'll proc, but um, I won't have four fires burning at once. So... Uh, yeah, that's the Florida build. So you're only going to have a 34.7 second fire duration and a 23.1 second flooding duration, which isn't that much. Uh, I forgot to go over the rudder shift time. Um, the turning circle radius on the Florida, 760 meters, is pretty tight for its size. Um, obviously, it's not as good as the standard battleships, but for a long, fast battleship, uh, it is pretty decent. Uh, the rudder shift time, however, is not at 15.4 seconds, uh, and since there is a way to adjust that, obviously you can take rudder mod. Uh, don't recommend it though; you basically can't take it because you need that fire. Uh, uh, you need that fire control, or the damage control system modification too. You need it; it's mandatory. You can't non-negotiable, so you're you're stuck with a 15.4 second rudder shift time. Um, yeah, and your turret reverse time is going to be 39.13 uh, second with a 17 point commander. Um, I should I should put flags on it as well. Um, and then you could I would recommend putting fire flags on it as well, like uh, fire chance flags that is. Um, and then obviously Juliet Charlie for the magazine detonation, I, the India Delta for the HP per second um, buff, and the uh, HP restored buff is um, certainly pretty much mandatory on this ship because of the lack of hit points. Um, speed flag also very good because it is a battle cruiser, uh, and you will. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it is useful. I mean, and then also using Brisk is kind of useful as a commander, uh, on your commander, just because that it provides that extra speed when you're a detective, which will be a lot of the time because your detection range is so low. Um, you'll go up to 31.2 dots while using Brisk, which is, for the tier, very fast. That's like Sharn Horse Gunnise on levels of fast. Uh, so Florida can actually be very, very quick. Uh, November Foxtrot for the consumable reload time, and then um, that's all for the flags. I mean, you could also run the AA flag if you wanted to, um, but I traditionally stick to fire chance flags just to give me that 24% chance of fire. Um, and then, so that means that my uh, repair party is going to have a 30.8 second reload time with 0 0.6, uh, not 0.6%. Buff in the um, uh, in the HP repair per second. Actually, I made a mistake. There, the reload time is 73.7 seconds, and then action time is 30.8 seconds. So you're getting more action time and more HP per second. So that's good. Uh, reload time for the damage control is going to be 23.7 seconds, and the action time is going to be 22 seconds. Uh, for the spotter plane, 228 second reload time with 100 second action time. 20% uh, range uh, buff, and for the defensive AA fire, 76 second reload time, 40 second action time, so, you know, pretty nice. Uh, shell explosion damage is buffed by 300%, so, you know, that's always nice. Um, as far as how you play Florida, though, uh, Florida is basically a better California. Like, since Florida came out, there is absolutely no reason to buy California. Florida is better in every way, and people people will be like, oh, it's got better armor and everything like that. Well, yes, but California also has a massive superstructure, uh, which, I mean, Florida has a decently large one, but at least it's not traveling at 18 knots regularly. Uh, and it can actually escape from a flank that it's uh, being overrun on uh, and repositioned decently. And I get that it has the uh, uh, same concealment or similar concealment 
and uh, the same armament, but Florida just carries it there faster. So why would you not get Florida? And uh, yeah, I mean, it's easier to use too. I mean, you're only being detected by the air by 9.7 kilometers away. So that's pretty nice. As far as how to, how to actually play it, um, typically I'll either go out onto, uh, I'll go way out onto a flank and kind of see what's going on there. Um, I'll sit sort of at range anywhere from maximum range down into around 13 kilometers or so. And then I'll start engaging the enemy uh, at that range. I typically don't close closer than that because um, uh, then you run into the issue of being perma-spotted and not able to go undetected and escape the situation without showing broadside, which, as we know, because of the Florida's bad armor plating, is not good. So maintaining the uh, the distance between your enemies is important, but you can't get too far away because the ship's sigma isn't great. Remember, the sigma is only 1.7, and while the accuracy is good, the salvos uh, definitely are not consistent in the shell placement, um, so you may only get a few on target each time, especially at longer ranges. That's why I don't recommend running artillery plotting or modification on. Um, now, that being said, the Florida is very consistent in its salvos, um, I know I said it wasn't consistent. The shell grouping isn't consistent, but the fact that the shells are in, um, you know, a small space is nice. You're always doing damage. And having a ship that doesn't have tight groupings is kind of nice because if you're, uh, if you, um, are a person who transfers between ship velocities, um, or ship velocities, uh, uh, like me, and you're playing like something like the Harugumo, uh, where it has a very high gun velocity, or the DZP, something like that, and then you transfer over to the Florida, where it doesn't have high velocity. If you slightly mislead your target, chances are your one of your shells, since the shell grouping is not consistent, one of those shells is going to go out and ca uh, catch even just a dodging target. Like destroyers, they're trying to dodge your shells. As long as you place your shell grouping somewhere near them, chances are one of them is going to go out of its way to clip them. The, the Florida is kind of weird like that having bad sigma is actually kind of a blessing in disguise um because it doesn't have bad sigma and bad dispersion so that so you can actually hit things and it doesn't rely on you being super duper accurate in your uh, aiming in order to hit something now that being said at close ranges because the sigma is bad you're not going to get those amazing salvos where everything is a citadel. Chances are something's going to go above, something's going to go below. But at long range, it's kind of useful, especially for someone who's learning to aim, like uh, maybe a new player or something like that, someone who's just gotten to tier 7 and maybe wants to learn a bit more. That The ship would be good for me. It is pretty forgiving uh, for aiming, and that that's largely why I'm doing so well, is because when I uh, mis-aim or someone uh, turns before my shell gets there, chances are one or two of them are going to clip, and, and the... It allows you to hit the weird citadel placement that's on German ships a lot, and, and weird armor arrangements. Uh, this thing loves weird armor arrangements because it'll just a shotgun a shell, a bunch of shells into the ship, and chances are one of them is going to find a citadel. So the guns are actually more usable than they are on paper, which is why I agree with them having a 33.5 second reload because of that fact. You don't need to be accurate in the ship, it will find the target for you. And it's pretty fire and forget in that fashion, which is useful. And uh, if we go back to uh, actually playing the ship, if you find out that there's nothing really on the flank or that you can get shots at, then skirt over to the middle, or some people prefer just starting in the middle, and just kind of float around and sort of do circles there, more or less, at a 13 to 18 kilometer range. Um, just firing upon ships, picking broadsides, you know, trying not to shoot at angled ships, because obviously these are 14-inch guns at tier 7. They're not going to do that much to an angled target. Uh, and if you force to shoot an angled target... Uh, uh, maybe 
something's turning around or something, fire the AP at the superstructure area uh, just to get those pens. And if you're continually shooting at a angle target, say a battleship is just sitting there, obviously switch to HE. It, it is Goliath HE essentially. It will still do its job. Um, yeah, in, in that fact, this ability to shift positions rapidly is what makes this ship far superior to the California. Just like in real life, Florida's better than California. Sorry, California listeners, it's just a fact. Uh, they have way better news stories and everything like that, uh, for those of you who have heard of Florida Man. Um, yeah, so Florida, I really enjoy this ship. It is, you do have to guard your hit point a little bit. I have found that it does tank reasonably well. The belt is actually really, really long. However, if that belt does get penned, it is just your citadel. So, yes, angling, very useful, but if you do get something, I mean, nothing's going to overmatch a 200mm plate, but if you do get catch one through the bow that just goes through the front, you will get citadel. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the, I've carried games in this ship and stuff. It, it's really high carry power. I've had a lot of fun playing it. It's really not hard to play. The skill cap's pretty low, or the skill... Uh, floor is pretty low. I can see a really high skill cap on this ship for people who understand armor angling better, for people who understand positioning better, and when to push or when not to push in a fast battleship. So all around, good ship. Really, I really recommend this. If you are looking for a tier 7 ship, definitely good. Don't think this will be good for operations, though, because the DPM is kind of low due to the slow reload. Uh, and since uh, high DPM is, like, king in uh, operations, so not an operations pick, but definitely co-op, or co-op, random, uh, I think even ranked would, this would do well, I don't know about brawls, uh, maybe a larger brawl where it's like six on six or something like that, uh, a little longer range, then this would definitely do good, um, but yeah, I mean, overall, no problems with it, it's been working well for me, I imagine it'd work well for you guys, so, uh, can I, I can also just say that the, um, the gun sound effect here, the gun firing sound effect is amazing, I love it, I know it's just a, one of the uh, preset sound effects, but I, I really do love it, <laughs> it's my first ship that has that sound effect, and, uh, no complaints, we'll just say, anyways, uh, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about this episode, please feel free to drop a message below on my Anchor page or uh, email me, rankamateurpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, that's it for this week, folks. Uh, I'll be wa- back in a fortnight. And uh, until next time, captains. Captains. <laughs>